Bruce Arians' sudden retirement as head coach of the Buccaneers. What does that mean for Tampa going forward? Does it change their trajectory a little bit now they attack this offseason? Best available free agents on the market as we head toward the NFL draft and looking ahead to strength of schedules for the 2022 NFL season. Coming up on today's Peacock and Williamson. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson at the Peacock at Williamson NFL. I just want to remind everybody, thanks for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And if you missed it, go back to earlier in the week, Monday and Tuesday episodes. Matt and I did our dueling mock drafts. It was a really fun podcast, and uh, it was a great exercise to get to know the team's post-free agency a little bit better and get ready for this NFL draft and kind of have a mental picture of where these teams are. So that was a lot of fun seeing you know, the two different viewpoints of how the draft is going to go from both Matt and uh, my much better mock draft than his that we did those, those couple of <laughs> that days. That was fun, though. Uh, today, we're talking strength of schedule, talking best available free agents, but the big story of the day, kind of shocking, right, is Bruce Arians stepping down as head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but staying with the team in a front office sort of um, consultant role. And this is not something that uh, anybody I I knew saw coming, Matt. I don't know if you saw this coming, and I know you've um, been covering Bruce Arians for a long time from his days being, you know, a coordinator with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But um, he's essentially pre-retiring for a year and officially retiring after the year and opening the path for his coordinators to step up like Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator, now head coach of the team. And it's sort of odd how this whole thing is framed. Did he do it because he needs to go? You know, hopefully there's nothing behind, you know, behind the scenes, behind the curtain that, that, uh, you know, he's ailing or anything like that. But um, this is, this is a story that is pretty wild and now gives Todd Bowles a chance to be head coach of a really good football team, which uh, Bruce Arians talked about after the fact saying now he doesn't have to go coach a crappy team. (laughs) <laughs> right. That's that's funny. And that that my experience with BA is I never got to know him or anything like that, you know, but many people currently around the team that I work close with all raved about BA as a very genuine, fun to be around type of guy, light up the room type, all the media liked them, the 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 uh the people, the coaching staff in Pittsburgh liked them. And you see that on the field too. I mean, he's aggressive. I mean his his quarterbacks pre-Brady, but even with Brady, were, you know, Ben and Luck and Carson Palmer and even Jameis Winston. I mean, traditional seven-step drops, you know, going to get hit at the end of your throw, chuck it downfield, you know, 80s football. And I respect that. You know, I mean, the no biscuit, no risk it, no biscuit. No risk it, no biscuit. He lives up to that. You know, I mean, so had a great career up in age. Uh, I hope it's nothing health related, but we know the stress these guys are under and he was not a young man. And, you know, we've heard about this here and there before that, you know, he was considering it over the last couple of years, tons of success in Tampa. Um, I thought both his coordinators left, and Bowles mm-hmm. had a, a real chance to get hired this past year. And um, now Bowles gets, falls into a great situation as BA mentioned left, was also a Steeler backup and was raved about around here as well. And Bowles was actually 
uh, our defensive back coach when I was with the Browns way back when. Chuck Pagano and Todd Bowles were our defensive back coaches, and he was a up and coming young coach at that point. You know, twenty years ago. But you could tell then that he had massive leadership, toughness, you know, personality, smarts, that he was going to go far in this league. And everyone kind of looked at Todd and thought, oh, yeah, that guy's like a prodigy at that point. Not Bruce Arians' first retirement, by the way. And we'll see if he stays retired this time. Diana Rossini, though, of ESPN did report that as Arians steps down, the answers she kept getting, she was asking around to see if there's something else to this. Uh, than than what is being reported, what is being put out there by the team and Bruce Arians themselves is that, quote, there is no more to it. It was clean. He did it his way. So hopefully that is the case and there's nothing else going on there with health or anything with with Bruce Arians. And look, coaches don't leave the healthiest lives. And so anytime a coach can retire on their own terms, I'm all about it. Yeah, and uh, maybe he'll do what his quarterback did and kind of retire and kind of not and then come back. (laughs) You know, I don't think so. But good for him. He's going to stay in the organization Still get the, a paycheck and benefits and stay close to the team, but a lot less stress. Absolutely. He did have a statement, and he said, quote, Secession has always been huge for me with the organization in probably the best shape it's been in its history with Tom Brady coming back. I'd rather see Todd in a position to be successful and not have to take that crappy job. I'm probably retiring next year anyway in February, so I could can control the narrative right now I don't control it next February because if Brady gets hurt we go 10 and 7 and it's an open interview for the job I got 31 coaches in their families that depend on me my wife is big on not letting all those families down so he's hoping that things stay well coaching staff stays intact behind him uh, under Todd Bowles now and so you have to respect that and hopefully that is the case but um, <laughs> I love that he said if if Brady gets hurt and things go uh, go poorly and we go 10 and seven as if that's like the, the worst that's outcome that I could possibly like, happen. Like, that's the worst thing that could possibly happen to the Bucks all year is win double digit games. <laughs> that's as bad as it could possibly get. If Brady gets hurt and they got to let me throw Kyle Trask out there for 14 games. Well, they'll still win 10 of them. Uh, I, um, I, I, that statement I thought was very cool. I like the way that Arians talked about that because I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't realize this and it's never talked about, but in my opinion, and really this is just a general opinion is one of the head coaches responsibilities is the welfare of his coaches and their families. As you mentioned, you know, like, and it doesn't always happen that way. I mean, sometimes these guys get real selfish. They take another job, they move on and they leave people hanging. It's cool that he set these guys up for success for now. And, you know, in the near future. Does this change anything you for the trajectory of the rest of the offseason, how they attack the draft? We had talked doing our mock draft that maybe the Buccaneers were a team that could move around a little bit. It seemed that they were in it to win it this year and not sure how things were going to go in future years. But this would seem to me that ownership and and the coaching staff now is in a phase where they're looking past just this year and, and how to keep this thing together for a while. So to you, does that change how the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers operate in the rest of free agency. We'll talk about the best available free agents here in segment number two or how they attack the draft. Maybe it's not a team that wants to go up and just get that one player and maybe trade future picks. I don't know. I mean, because when you run it back roster wise, now three years in a row, almost a carbon copy and you start maxing out your credit cards with cap stuff. I think they have, I think the organization as a whole 
realizes this is a very short term window and then we'll go from there. Like it, it, maybe they don't agree and maybe they take back corral in the first round and prepare for tomorrow. I bet they take a guard or, you know, a, a pass rusher or somebody that they can line up with in week one and try to win another ring. And since they already won a ring, it's all worth it. I mean, to me, you're playing with house money where yes. some of these teams like Green Bay, you know, that didn't get that ring, you know, while you're trying this approach. Well, you have a lot more to risk where these guys, the whole goal is to win a ring. They've already done that. And now they're in the equation to do it again. Do you think it's strange that suddenly Baker Mayfield's name has come up in connection with Tampa recently in the last couple of days I've heard this a lot as if you know maybe there's some way to to change because it wouldn't be a we're sending draft picks for a 18 million dollar backup which I think it'd be a bigger cap hit than what Tom Brady has right now as the starter for that team but I don't know why that makes sense that maybe the team doesn't like Kyle Trask as the backup and that they're looking at Baker Mayfield as the next quarterback that they could bring in now maybe restructure the contract to bring him bring him in at a backup level and have him post Brady uh, I don't know why that story's come up but it seems like there had to have been some phone calls behind the scenes or else that wouldn't make any sense at all on the surface I'll be very honest that's the first I've heard that I mean so maybe it's just been out there and I haven't been playing paying as close attention and my first thoughts on that were more of an uh, indictment I guess is the wrong word but a, a more of a statement about where Baker is right now and I wonder does he look at Winston and especially Trubisky and say, I have to take that path where I'm clearly the backup. I'll build my reputation by sitting on the bench behind Brady, you know, and learning even more, learn things I thought I knew, but I didn't. And I have to take this one big step back in my career in order to take two forward a year from now. And the reports that teams were asking for draft picks from the Browns just to take Baker Mayfield in his contract. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, and, that, and the Browns can't say yes to that. I mean, he, Baker Mayfield's one of 32 starting NFL quarterbacks. And, um, in fact, there's teams that I have— I think been, so. I, I mean, thought so a year or you know, a week ago, but yeah. maybe the league doesn't agree with us. I mean, yeah. The league does. The league is wrong often, though, Matt, I will say. Oh, uh, I don't know if they're necessarily more wrong more often than we are, but they are right. wrong often. And there, there are teams that have worse starting quarterbacks currently on their roster. We'll see what happens in the draft than Baker Mayfield. You can't tell me Seattle or Carolina wouldn't be a better team by yes. adding Mayfield. And so right? maybe maybe the draft is, is where things, you know, sort of change and, and the team doesn't get the guy they hope they're going to get in the draft. And then, you know, that's mm -hmm. where Baker Mayfield ends up going. But Yeah, I, I hear you. I, I still would put a chip down that he is one of the 32 starting on opening day. Yes, I would too. Seattle still feels like the best spot. And, and the Seahawks are at nine. You know, some things could happen in front of them. Maybe that's what they're waiting for. And maybe they're in love with Kenny Pickett, you know. I mean, and if he's, right. if he's on, you know. And then as soon as the, he gets picked in the sixth pick overall, they call Baker and he's signed by the time they're on the clock. I was going to say, when I first heard that story, I thought, oh, yeah, no risk it, no biscuit. Maybe Baker Mayfield's a good fit for a Bruce Arians offense. But Bruce Arians not going to be there anyway. <laughs> no, but they'll still run it. But, yeah, that's I true. mean. He'll, he'll throw downfield. He's got a big arm. I mean, he'll stand in the pocket. And, Has the, uh, the mentality, think I think, fit. of like, yeah, yeah let's go yeah. for it. Yeah, I don't think he's a bad fit at all. Best available free agents coming up. Strength of schedule for NFL teams coming up as well next. 
After months of playing college basketball, the top four teams, the final four has been set, which will determine this year's national champion in the coming week. BetOnline.net has you covered. The number one source for all your betting needs and sports information from all the latest odds, contests, player props, you name it, even live in-game betting as well for some of these college football games and pro football games and not just basketball. You've got NFL draft props, football futures, Super Bowl, conference champions for the 2022 season. Who might have better or worse odds as we look at those strength of schedules coming up a little bit later in this program? Major League Baseball, hockey, boxing, UFC, Vegas casino games as well. So get over to the website now or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action at Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks, everybody, for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen. Make sure you're following Locked On NFL. A lot of draft coverage coming on the Locked On NFL channel. Locked On experts Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes, bringing you the latest on what's going on in the National Football League. It's free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, just like Peacock and Williamson is. There's a few nuggets on a couple of the top free agents available Left, And we're going to reference Shiel Kapedia's article in The Athletic for how he ranks the best available free agents on the market and the two top free agents on the market. His Before no- we get there, I want to oh, preface yeah. one thing. Sure. I apologize. Is so many players, remember a year ago was the COVID offseason, and many players signed one-year deals a year ago. So I should have brought this up a month ago on our show but there were more contracts expiring after this past season than in NFL history. I, don't quote me, but there was like 45% of the league, maybe it was 40% of the league of guys that were on active rosters were becoming free agents. So there were four or 500 free agents that aren't just hoping to get a job type. I mean, guys that have played in the league, which is way more than any other year. So, yeah, free agency has been open for a while now but four or five hundred players haven't signed I mean there's like 300 players still unemployed that are quality NFL players like I was on the radio here Friday oh man where are the Steelers gonna find a backup for Najee Harris I'm like well there's a dozen names on the open market right now there's you know some, I mean yeah there's so many you there's know don't worry about big it. names very familiar names on the free agent <laughs> right, market right. and a lot of them are you know either nearing or on the wrong side of 30 years old and this would be the portion of free agency where guys have to start thinking about taking less money. And a lot of the players here probably expected to get, you know, top market money at their position groups mm-hmm. earlier on in free agency. That hasn't happened yet. So we'll check in on some of those names and the top a lot two of these are age or injury guys, too. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. or overvalue themselves. Right. Which is, I think, maybe happening in a, in a lot of these cases. But uh, two top 10 players or three guys in the top 10 of the overall free agent list going into free agency still available. Those names are number four on Shilkopedia's list is Tyron Matthew, uh, who the the Chiefs are definitely moving away from, so he's not going to sign there. Bobby Wagner, right. who was released by the Seahawks, he's not going back home either, which is usually a part of it. Is is big money comes from the the team that has you wants to keep you, and other teams are trying to buy you away from those teams, so it's not happening in most of these cases. Um, and Jadavian Clowney, and then I guess we can throw sort of uh, Odell Beckham in there, who's who's 11, mm-hmm. so just outside of the top 10. Guys. But we know why Beckham's not signing, because of the ACL and the Super Bowl, and so that's its own thing. But healthy and ready to play right now, Tyron Matthew, the fourth overall free agent of the entire offseason, according to The Athletic. Bobby Wagner, the seventh, and Jadavian Clowney, 10th. 
best free agent available for the entire offseason. Those are the top three guys left. There's a couple of notes recently, though, on Tyron Matthew and Bobby Wagner. So Bobby Wagner, who's obviously friends from the Legion of Boom days with Richard Sherman, his former teammate with the Seahawks, Mm -hmm. said that... uh, B-Wags is about to announce it, so this could happen while we're on the air, but Bobby Wagner's about to sign with the team. He had met with the Rams, we know, so he might be a Los Angeles Ram very soon, so he might be off the market, and I haven't heard many other teams that were interested in bringing in Bobby Wagner, but according to his buddy Richard Sherman, that is imminent now for him to sign with the team. And Tyron Matthew, I think, with the... And look, the... You know, the Honey Badger, days at LSU, right? And his Louisiana team down there, the New Orleans Saints, need a safety. And Mm, a current safety from that team, corner, nickel, whatever you want to call the do-it-all, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, he tagged Tyron Matthew on Twitter and said, why don't you come home over here to the the, uh, – he's basically said Honey Badger era and C.D. area. C.D. Deuce is what he calls himself, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. And Tyron Matthew said – Yes, praying hands emoji, crossing fingers emoji. So Tyron Matthew may be trying to go to the New Orleans Saints. We'll see if that ends up happening. But uh, some really big names out there on the free agent market still, Matt. Yeah, and uh, Malcolm Jenkins announced his retirement yesterday or today. Um, (laughs) Amazingly, it seems like a million years ago when we had Ross Jackson on talking Saints cap. But if you go to overthecap.com right now, the Saints have like – the eighth most cap space in the league. It was a hundred million dollar <laughs> flip. They were seventy million over. Now they're twenty or seventy million over the cap. Yeah, now twenty three million under. Amazing how that works. So they could do it. Um, that seems like a great fit. You know, complete what I think is a really good defense. You know, not ask as much out of Jameis in that offense. Um, I'm not sure what the sticking point's been with him. Wagner to me, and I hate to say this because I've said this over and over that besides Luke Keekley. I think Bobby Wagner is the best linebacker since Ray Lewis. I mean, I think he's an easy Hall of Famer, um, but I didn't think he played well last year. I, I thought he lost a step, and I thought he was, I don't want to say a liability, but he wasn't Wagner, and he's 32. But, boy, the, the Rams make a ton of sense for him, though, don't they? Yeah, they have the positional need, and clearly they're not afraid to do those things, and you know they can probably right, structure right. it in a way that uh, it, it won't hurt them on the cap this year. Jadavian Clowney is just like, he's just going to get one-year deals and bounce around the entire league. He's a mercenary, yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's not for everyone either. Like, I think I've talked about the Merrill Hodge story with Clowney on the air here. You know, that every Thursday, Merrill would join us for a Steeler pregame show. And if you brought up the name Jadavian Clowney, he just loses his mind because he's, you know, his highlights are awesome. And I think the way Merrill used to put it was, if you watch 10 plays of him, Two of them, you go, wow, that looks like the first pick in the draft. Four or five of them, he does the wrong thing and then hit, smacks himself in the helmet. And <laughs> one of the plays, he's solid. And then another one, his effort's bad. You know, like, he's he's not for everyone. And he's not even a first overall pick type of talent to me. He's not a bender. I mean, no, he's a... He's, everything's right so explosive in a straight line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a bizarre guy. I mean, he's not a... Doesn't run the hoop well, you know, and and he's kind of a mercenary. So people that hang out with him for a year, he may be a wonderful fellow. It sounds like I'm killing him, but uh, he's not as good as his brand suggests as the first overall pick. And, you know, blowing up that Michigan guy in the bowl game was a long time ago. (laughs) 
Every team needs a pass rusher, though, just like every team needs an offensive lineman and a couple of offensive linemen still out there on the market that are, you know, starting caliber players that haven't signed yet. And you would think these guys would get swooped up when we're doing those mock drafts. Every team needs a pass rusher and an offensive lineman. So J.C. Treader, who was released by the Browns, is still available. And Eric Fisher, a former Colts offensive tackle is uh, is still available and maybe the tackles and the edge rushers because of the money that gets paid to those position groups those guys thought they would cash in haven't yet and had to wait a little bit probably uh, I, mean, I do think it's noteworthy a couple of these guys Wagner Treader they have more value because they're not true free agents they were released so they don't hurt your comp pick equation so that's in their benefit um I don't know if we've talked about this much either, though. This is a really good center class, and there's really only 32 center jobs in the league. I don't know off the top of my head how many teams are center needy, and Treader is definitely one of the best 32, but they might look to the draft right now and say, I like five centers in this draft. I'm not going to pay Treader big money at this point. Tackles are always in demand, but it's also a pretty good tackle draft, too. There's easily five teams, though, that need a starting left tackle. I mean, a guy like Eric Fisher or Dwayne Brown. I mean, And then you look at guys like Dwayne Brown, who's 37, thinking maybe he's just kicking around retirement and knows there's an offer on the table and he can take it whenever, but he's just not sure if he wants to play yet. Yeah, with center two, just the way that teams – have to put together their rosters and their game day rosters they usually only suit up you know seven offensive linemen right so you can't really have just a pure backup center on your roster all year he has to at least be able to play guard and step in and start there you know because you need some tackle guard versatility center guard versatility with your backups if you only have two backups on game day so you can't be a center only backup in the NFL which gets tough so if you want to draft a center you probably can't have another expensive center on your roster Right. I mean, if if you have two guys that only can play center, one of them doesn't get his jersey dirty unless the guy in front of him gets hurt. Yep. You know, and, and Shredder's a true center, but he's good enough to be one of the 32. But mm-hmm. you got to shuffle your roster around a little bit to make that happen. Post-draft, you know, uh, and especially with the tackle situation, yeah. there's some teams that probably hope we, you know, hoping they're going to draft a tackle. They don't. They call Eric Fisher, you know, on on Friday and say, hey, let's yeah, go. Yeah, exactly. A couple so of all the, all these, to my point, all these guys are going to be employed, plus a hundred other names that we, you know, that aren't big names that are mm-hmm. quality players. I mean, there's, it's really gotten the point now where free agency is a massive buyer's market for these teams. It's a, it's a buyer's market now for the teams, and we might see a lot more of those one year deals. Stephon right, Gilmore right. is another one. There's a couple other names here I want to highlight. Two more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stephon Gilmore. It sounded like he was going to get signed. He was talking to multiple teams, and there was some bidding happening. And then when the top few corners got signed there was really no more talk about Stefan Gilmore and I thought he was going to be a Raider and I still think it fits for him to become a Raider they have the need there he was one of the te- he was one of, they were one of the teams that he was mentioned with but uh the market sort of stopped and dried out for him with a, a lot of these other names we're talking about yeah the corner market as a whole to me was a little drier than expected there's a handful of decent corner names still on here uh, Steven Nelson, Joe Hayden. I mean, guys that have been successful NFL corners. But there's also, you know, I, I think this goes without saying, the majority of these names are somewhere between 29 and 32 years old. And obviously they don't have the value that they once did. But there's two ways of looking at this, too, is if I'm a 30-year-old, or yeah, Stefan Gilmore, I'm 32, this is my last chance to get a big payday. 
But I also have a lot of money in the bank. <laughs> I've made a lot of money being an NFL player, former first-round pick, that I'm not going to just take any contract at this point. I'm going to hold out for a team that I really want to play with, a scheme that fits me best, you know. And some of these guys, too, are going to look at it like, hey, if I last all the way to the point where I don't have to go to training camp and they call me a week before the season, cool. Last name I want to bring up here is Jarvis Landry. And there were reports that he was hoping to cash in like some of his, you know, fellow wide receivers and get one of those $20 million per year contracts. And, you know, I hate to break it to Jarvis Landry, but that's not coming for him. That's not coming for him. I mean, I think there's value to bring in a veteran tough guy that's been around the block in the room, but he's strictly a slot. That's a problem, you know, and... He's not as dynamic as he used to be. And I've done more and more homework on this receiver class. I mean, it's really good. It's not top heavy, but I would pro- I mean, I would probably rather have a third round or even fourth round receiver considering the cost than Jarvis Landry. Who have the easiest and hardest schedules in the 2022 NFL season next? Warren Sharp, a football analytics wizard who we reference on the show often, has put together an NFL strength of schedule for 2022. You brought this to my attention. Do you want to preface what this list is and how it was put together? Got yeah, the yeah. 1 through 32 ranked easiest to hardest schedules in the NFL season. A couple things of note here. It, it now is more important than ever where you landed in your division. It used to only be two games mattered if you were a first place you know, team schedule versus a fourth place schedule. Now it's three, you know, so that doesn't sound like a lot, but over 17 game season, three seventeenths, you know, versus two sixteenths, what, you know, whatever. I'm not, I'm getting into the, the fractions here. So that matters a little bit more. We know the divisions these teams are going to play as well as six in their own division. Um, and we don't even need to get into that, but for, I just wanted to throw that out there to begin with, but I'm jealous that I didn't come up with this idea because up until a couple of years ago when Sharp came up with this, when we were talking about strength of schedules for the upcoming season, we always just took last year's win percentages and figured it out from there. Well, that's dumb. You know, like I'd much rather play Denver last year than this year. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? There's so much change. There's so much change and more than ever and quarterback changes and coaching changes and, you know, teams look much different. I mean, I'd rather play Atlanta last year than this year. Or, you know, I'd rather the other way around. I'd rather play right. Atlanta this year than that last year. So Warren, being a smart dude and a big better, he went and uses the Vegas win totals, which the people in Vegas are pretty smart, you know, that – so, for example, the Baltimore Ravens have a projected win total of 9.7. So if you play the Ravens, twice like Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Cleveland. Well, that's 9.7 wins that you're going to face next year. Mm-hmm. So Vegas just put out their win totals this past week or so. You can go, I'm sure to any online you know, place or you know uh, casino and bet over under wins on the bears and the Broncos and whoever. So Warren just takes that and says, I don't care what your winning percentage was last year. I'm going to go with who has the hardest slate of expected win totals. And he just put out his numbers from one to 32. So I just wanted to highlight the teams that have the easiest and the hardest ones. Yes. And this is Warren Sharp collecting data. It's not his opinion. This is what Vegas thinks and who has more money on the line than 
than Vegas and the sports books, right, as it pertains right, right. to uh, putting together future win totals. Exactly. So the teams that have the easiest schedule as opposed, you know, considering who, you know, what Vegas thinks their opponents will do. Washington has the easiest, then Chicago, then Philly, then Indy, Seattle, Dallas. So three of those teams are NFC East teams. And I don't know the NFC East two divisions they're playing, but I know they're playing each other six times. That's helpful. Um, so just wanted people to know some of these teams. And to me, it's a big deal. You know, like if I'm betting over under win totals or if I'm predicting the wild card teams, I go to Warren's strength of schedule metric and say, boy, this team has the second easiest schedule as opposed to this team as a 28th easiest schedule. I'm going to bet on them to get in the postseason because it's a big deal over a short you know, stretch of 17 games. This isn't baseball or hockey or basketball where everything evens out. Right. And when you look at the projected win totals for, say, Dallas, which is 10 and a half wins, and they have mm-hmm. a top six easiest schedule in the league, you can start to right. say, you know, that looks like a team that's probably going to be in the playoffs and, and you could feel a lot better about putting money there. Exactly. That's a good way of putting it. And, and yeah, I, I'm sure Vegas takes this into consideration too, but I might be more apt to take the over on Dallas wins because they both have a good projected win total and, you know, their opponents. So, yeah, I, I think it's important. And you never know. You know, like you could be the Denver team that had Green Bay on the schedule and Aaron Rodgers had COVID, so you got Jordan Love and it's easier. I mean, all those things can happen over the course of the year. Or you could got the Denver team that didn't have a quarterback two years ago and had to play a wide receiver quarterback. You know, yeah. so those things happen. But I do think that these are good guidelines, and I think usually the better teams are going to have a harder schedule because they come in first place and whatnot. But this would worry me a little bit in that here are the hardest schedules. the The Chiefs have the hardest schedule in the league, and by no means are they rebuilding by NFL standards, but by their standards they kind of are taking a step back and doing things differently. Like I could see the chiefs. I'm not saying they're going to win six games, but in in, to quote Bruce Arians, they may only win 10. Yeah. They might have a rough season winning double digit uh, games, you know, 10 and seven. Right. And the, and the chiefs were one of the few teams in the AFC that maybe didn't get better on paper this off season. That's what I mean. Right, right, right. And their division did. And, And I like to look at these things too. come playoff time. Like, man, they only won 10 games. They're a four seed, but they played the hardest schedule in the league. Look out for them in the playoffs, you know, that, that type of thing. So here are the ones that have the hardest schedule. Kansas City's 32. The Jets are 31. Ouch. You would hope that, you know, a little yeah, easier stretch for them and, a, you know, a rebuild type of move. Uh, the Rams at 30. Your Niners at 29. Raiders at 28. And my Steelers at 27, which, you know, our two teams – Divisions sure don't help. And one side note, I'm not sure how they factored in the Browns because right now, from what I understand, you can't bet the over-under win total on Cleveland because so much is dependent on the Watson suspension. Mm. Is it 16 games? Is it one game? You know, who knows? And the 49ers are an interesting one because I know their schedule and I know that they're playing the AFC West. So they're playing the two most difficult 
divisions in the league, NFC West and AFC West. And even though they have a third place schedule, being a wild card team last year and being third place in that division, you would think, okay, easy. Third place schedule would be a nice year for the 49ers schedule wise. That is not the case because they're playing some of the best teams in the league this year. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the last note of the thing he put out here that I found interesting is these are projections. As we know, we don't know how good these teams are going to be, but I like that he uses Vegas as, as his baseline here, but we can actually go back after the 2021 season and say, who really did have the hardest schedules? And that's what he has at the bottom of this page is I mentioned Washington projects to have the easiest schedule next year. Well, last year they had the hardest schedule. They were 32. You know, they go from 32 to projected to one. So maybe they're in for a little better year than we thought. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's very interesting. And we'll yeah. see if these Vegas totals are correct because some of these teams will surprise and some of these right. teams will end up in different scenarios than we all expect right now. The one that worries me, though, looking at this is just the the New York Jets because of how difficult their division is. Everyone's getting better I in know. the AFC. They've got, you know, uh, they're looking up at a lot of teams already. I think they have gotten better, have the opportunity to continue to get better. A lot rides on their new or on their young quarterback taking that big step in year two but man having the second most difficult schedule in the league and being a team that's already behind a lot of the teams in your conference already it's going to be a rough stretch for the new york jets and, and it'll be something if they do turn that thing around finally in new york yeah i'm glad you brought them up because they they scream to me as the, the, the quintessential team that's a better football team but the record might not show it you know this yep. time next year you yeah know, exactly and, yeah like boy they they only won five or six games, but if you watch every Jet snap, you're like, this team's better than they were last year. Yes, more competitive all year, but they only end up with two more wins than they had the year before. Yep, yep, yep. Um, one, Two other teams I want to highlight here, too. I mentioned how Washington drastically looks like life's going to get easier compared to the life they just had. Well, the Bengals and the Bills are the opposite, and I'm not taking anything away from the Bengals. They went to the Super Bowl. But they had some things going for them last year that probably won't keep up. One of them, they're at the top of the league in terms of healthiest teams last year. And this this year, they have the biggest drop the other way. They had the uh, 26th hardest schedule, and now they're scheduled to have the third, which is the 32nd worst change. And the Bills are similar, too. Like, if you notice the Bills, they led the league in uh, – uh, scoring differential and they blew out some teams last year because they had a pretty easy schedule to be honest well it's going to get a lot tougher for them this year i can't wait these types of things get me excited you start to visualize yeah, right, right. what the teams look like visualize what the league's going to look like in 2022 it's going to be so much fun and they can maybe change these a little bit with what they do in the nfl draft and if they add some more of those big time free agents that are still out there on the market so it is a fluid situation and We'll see what these teams look like, and we'll have it all covered for you every day here on Peacock and Williamson. Thanks for making us your first listen. For your second listen, check out Matt doing Locked On Dynasty, uh, Locked On NFL Draft, Eric Crocker and Ryan Tracy every day talking about the NFL Draft. We'll be covering a ton of the NFL Draft as well over the next few weeks as we approach the annual selection meeting. And speaking of draft, we're talking Matt Williamson's annual draft ditty. Uh, yeah, tomorrow, right? Yeah, that's the plan. All right. Some massive thing happens between now and then, which is always possible. Stay tuned tomorrow to Matt Williamson's draft ditty here on Peacock and Williamson.